This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank morano and returning by popular demand is a fella that uh that got pretty good reviews the last two times that he was on this program but he was on as part of a panel and the fact of the matter is when you're on a panel if you're not that good you can kind of come across as being good it, it, but just by kind of blending in with everybody. So that's where we kind of try some people out if they're interesting or not interesting. And we, we said, all right, this guy got pretty good reviews twice as part of a panel. Let's see if anybody cares about what he says when he's here on his own. So I have no idea if uh, he's going to be remotely interesting, entertaining or humorous on his own without the company of others to lean on. But we are about to find out. Let me welcome back to the microphone. Fred Rubino, stand up comedian of a conservative variety. Hello, Fred. Thank you so much. And by popular demand, you mean that I demanded. it. That's that's right. (laughs) So, uh, Fred, last time you were here, I believe you helped yourself to some of the pizza in the kitchen area right and uh this time there's no pizza right well i'm glad you didn't know that i clogged the toilet too so (laughs) the pizza i'll take this time or last time last last time i see okay well uh, okay good i'm glad glad it's not the case this time but um i heard recently that you were on keto now what are you doing eating all that pizza if you're on keto well i cheat a lot uh-huh. See, the the uh, secret to staying on any diet is cheating a lot on it. <laughs> That'll do so, it. That's the one thing that uh, can... How can I not eat pizza? Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh, does, uh, did you like keto? Did keto work for you? Keto works for a few weeks, and but you see the pizza at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> and that's what makes you stay on it. But three weeks is my limit. Aren't all these low-carb diets... The exact same thing, just by another name. Isn't Atkins the same as paleo? Isn't paleo the same as keto? Aren't they all just don't eat bread? Don't eat bread. Don't eat uh, sugar. Sugar, right. right. If you just give up sugar, I think the whole country is hooked on sugar. Right. That's the most addictive drug on earth, sugar. Yeah. Where are you in this whole Ozempic craze? Ozempic, uh, I know people personally who lost a lot of Me weight. Me too. Uh, family members of mine, same. And they're off of, like, high blood pressure pills mm-hmm. now. So I think the worst nightmare for pharmaceutical is to take hundreds of thousands of people and now reduce their weight by, like, 40%. Well, but they're apparently – this they're predicting that this could be the best-selling class of drugs of all time. They may make uh, something like – I saw a crazy number – $16 trillion by selling this class of drugs. See – and if you reduce a lot of people's weight, you're going to see diabetes go down. You're going right. to see well. Knee, that's how it starts as a as a anti-diabetes drug. You are billed as the voice of American Italians. 
Correct. What makes you – who, who gave you that distinction, by the way? Well, uh, I get a, a large following of Italian-Americans, mm-hmm. but not the immigrant Italian that still speaks with the accent. Got it. It's the second generation, mm-hmm. and that's what I am. And, you know, we grew up with the traditions, but we're more American right. than same, Italian. Right, same, Well, second generation on my mom's side, uh, third generation on my dad's. But um, why do you refer to yourself as the voice of American Italians rather than Italian-Americans? Because we're more American than Italian. And, you know, when you get, like, people coming in from uh, Italy – and you don't realize how American you are. Uh-huh. You know, oh, like yeah. oh, you yeah. talk to them and they sit like two inches from your face. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? Get away from me. You know, they're 90 pounds and they eat just like grains and oil. And, and then you take them out to dinner and they're like steak and champagne. You know, they, they turn right away. That's but- true. That's true. I have noticed that, actually. That's very funny. But, um, it, well, that's that's terrific. How did you – I know you used to work in construction for a long time, right? So these hours years. these hours are nothing new to you. This is the great uh, construction worker hour. After 4 o'clock, all the construction workers are getting up all over the, the tri-state area, putting on, you know, WABC, every in the background, and, and driving in. So – I've been up at 4 a.m. for almost my whole life. Or a lot of the other great radio stations were on, you know, WCBM, also a great station, yeah. KYBR, uh, WUCT, uh, KWAM. They, we have a lot of construction listeners yeah. all over the uh, <laughs> WFDF, a lot of construction listeners at all our affiliates. Very proud of that. Um, you have also amassed a massive uh, – no, so I, I was going to ask you, you, how did you make that transition from the world of construction to stand-up comedy? Well, uh construction you work on different jobs all the time so if i'm playing at one place i have about 200 people on the job that are going to come see me then i'm on another job so they can come see me again so construction work is not like office work everybody's goofing around right i like that yeah so radio in that respect we're all comedians on that job or you get the the 70 year old guy and a 19 year old kid everyone's joking everybody's making fun every walk of life race creed color nothing's off limits so it's very easy uh you're very concerned when you're working construction about getting written up for an hr complaint no there are no hr complaints there's uh just if you are not pleased with someone you let them know and uh you work it out. How did you get to be conservative? Were you always conservative? No, I became conservative when uh, they started taking money out of my paycheck. And I was like, what? What's going on here? And then I realized, you know, I started to get into politics. When you're young, you don't, you're not into politics. Mm-hmm. And you, you're liberal. Yeah, why can't we all just live together and be nice? And then, and then you start, you know, learning about the world and you're like, I don't like this. Yeah, and I well, want to keep my paycheck, it's, too. It's so nice to meet a construction <laughs> worker that's actually paying taxes and not just uh, getting paid in cash entirely. That's very nice. Hey, uh, speaking of money, one of the issues in this uh, Trump situation has been the value of his assets. One of the the whole basis of the civil fraud trial is that he apparently overvalued all of his assets from Trump Tower to Mar-a-Lago. I mean, what's your read on that whole situation? The whole real estate industry is based on lying. How could they do? I bought three houses in my lifetime. Every one of them, 
I lied on every form. <laughs> I lied to the real estate. I lied to the buyer. The, the, the seller lied to me. It's, it's a business based on lying. So how could they just pick one thing out and say, oh, he lied about how I, I bought a house. Oh, it's in perfect condition. The first time it rained, it was like I was like Noah. I was like, what happened to this great house? So I, I don't understand that at all. And, and plus, uh, there are blueprints to every building in the city. So if he says it's 1,000 square, uh, 3,000 square foot and it's 1,000, you didn't check it? Right. The, the banks just take his word. They just take your word for it and <laughs> give you a loan or a mortgage based on whatever you th- whatever you claim the value of the of the I, property. Is I worth. have a condo in Florida. It has one bathroom, one bedroom. Okay. I'm going to go in and say, I'd like to borrow a million dollars towards it. It's a palace, I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, needless to say, you don't give a lot of credence to this current civil fraud prosecution. No, I th- and, but I think there's more on the way. I mm-hmm. think they will stop at nothing to uh, to stop this guy. They, they just want to do anything they can. Next, there'll be other people saying he harassed them and he whatever, you know, so... I think once you throw so much at somebody, then people just turn off. I think you're right about that. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that politically. To me, it just becomes noise, I I think, at uh, this point. Civil stuff, criminal stuff. Trump made a lot of news a couple of hours ago, right at the top of our show. He made the announcement that he was endorsing Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. A lot of folks are pointing to this whole changing of the guard in the House as an example of the Republicans being in disarray, uh, some people have get Mac Gates as the villain. Some people have Kevin McCarthy as the villain. Others want Steve Scalise to be the speaker. Where do you see this whole uh, McCarthyism going down? I, I don't understand people saying the, the Republican Party's in disarray. The whole country's in disarray. The economy shot. There's hundreds of thousands of people and homeless all over. The whole country shot. But as as far as that goes uh, with Jim Jordan, well, all right. I, I'm in favor of anybody, uh, their job to be fired. I think more if you got to be fired, I don't, even the Supreme Court. I, I don't agree that you can never be fired. Yeah, no, neither do I. I mean, I'm for life tenure only for radio talk show hosts. Of course, and, and comedians. Right, I mean, beyond that, beyond that, there should be no you no should, life tenure. Yeah, you should be fired. I don't even, you know, I, I don't care what it is. Not canceled, fired. You didn't do your job. You swore to do certain things. You didn't do it. You're fired. But what I the, like that. What the, what the defenders of McCarthy are saying is, look, Ninety-six percent of Republicans wanted him. It's just a, a handful, just basically eight people in a conference of over two hundred people that wanted to get rid of him. Why should these eight people be able to essentially dictate the will of the conference? What do you say to that? Well, that's life. You know, it's just like you get married and uh, everybody loves you, but your in-laws. You know, it's just two people, but they're a thorn in your side, and they're going to get you uh, canceled. Um, you. When you started doing comedy, did you make politics a big part of your act right away, or has that been gradual? That's been gradual. Uh, mostly it was just uh, being Italian-American and, and you know, uh, our little uh, quirks and stuff like that and growing up in Brooklyn. And then as it got, you know, further and further, a lot of people who came to my shows were conservative. So I – Geared it towards them. You know, you make get the customer happy. Do you ever just to if you get a heckler, do you ever throw a liberal joke at them just to play the play the role of the villain? 
Uh, no. I no. just tell them to get the hell out, and that's, and I call the bouncer and tell them to get them out. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was talking – we're going to talk with Noam Layden in a minute, about uh, 15 minutes. One of the things I was talking about with uh, him – actually, no, it was with Dr. Sky on Wednesday morning – these fairy circles that have popped up all over – what they're calling fairy circles – all over the world – Years ago, I know when I was growing up, and I'm sure when you were growing up, the thing was in fairy circles, it was crop circles. We don't hear about crop circles anymore, do we? No. What happened to them? You know, at first you said, oh, it's aliens. And I was like, my God, aliens got nothing better to do. Let's go 50 million light years and make a little circle in a wheat field and leave. I'm very disappointed in that. And then I was even more disappointed when you seen that there were just a few hillbillies with a piece of wood that spent 18 hours in a field just to make a circle. Do you have anything better to do? Aren't there barn raisings that you could do or something? So all of a sudden they're, they've disappeared. And uh, I used to like them when they got really intricate. Right, me too. I love those. You know, you, you're you up and you're looking at that and you're like, wow, these aliens are really, they're creative now. They're autistic. So what do you think? The aliens have just moved on to other things? Yeah, now they're on to uh, just appearing over like a, a building and watching everyone point up and then they leave. I, I don't understand the whole alien thing, you know. If there are aliens out there, land and say, hey, you know, let's talk to people, you know. I, I don't understand how they come all the way here and then they hide. Yeah, you, you've said that before, and uh, I've heard a similar argument from from a lot of folks. So uh, the uh, these UFO hearings that Congress had, is it doesn't seem like you're impressed with those. Oh, that's the best job in the world, huh? Talk about never having to be wrong. <laughs> Let's have a big meeting about aliens. Can you be wrong? No. I think there's aliens. I don't think there's aliens. Give me another 500 grand to talk about. That's fantastic. You know, it's so funny you say that. People bring up stuff that I said 10 minutes ago, 10 weeks ago, 10 months ago, 10 years ago. I have no recollection of ever saying this. Yet there's somebody out there that remembers be, me being wrong about about something. And it's it, usually it's something trivial. But uh, And that's right. your wife's job, oh, really. My, I mean. I, my goodness. My wife doesn't remember. You know, I could introduce her to a friend of mine, sometimes even a, a second cousin once removed, 40 times. And we'll say, hey, um, you know, we're going to you want to go to dinner? Phil invited us to dinner. Phil, did I meet Phil? Did I? You know, I know who I ran into. I ran into uh, Don. Don. Don who? Where did I meet Don? He was at our (laughs) wedding. Oh, no. He he lived next door to you your whole life. And yet. And yet. Yet, if I do anything wrong, oh. the memory that she has for that memory burn—it's it, incredible. She says, "You always do this." What do you mean? I always do this. I, this was the first time I ever did this. No, no, no. March sixteenth, yes. twenty seventeen. You did that same thing. You forgot whatever. And uh, but for w- her memory for whatever else, she's the guy from Memento. You ever seen Memento? Yes. Where the guy go- goes uh, can't form any new memories. <laughs> the only memory she's able to retain are me being d- doing bad things. Hey, yeah, um, they, they, w- they know everything. That know everything. is for sure. Hey, one of the things that uh, I'm pretty pleased about is it looks like this writer's strike is over. Some of these uh, television shows are coming back. Bill Maher, who I enjoy watching, he's back. Uh, any thoughts on kind of where the labor movement is in this country right now and the writer's strike specifically? Well, when it comes to show business, 
I don't agree with the whole union. Everybody support the writers and and the actors walk out and stuff. Because I always thought it was that show business. Like you hear an actor, he made it. But for 15 years, he was waiting tables. He was sleeping on friends' couches. He was eating ramen noodles. Nobody all got in together and said, hey, let's support that guy. That's show business. And and 99% of them have to go home broken and poor and everything. So when they make it, they have to now support everybody who is involved in show business. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think if... This guy paid his dues and went through the ringer to become an actor. And the ones who don't, nobody cares. They just go, hey, that's show business. Yeah, but, you know, I do hear where the writers are coming from, where they say, all right, you know, if, you, if we write a script for a television show that's played 9,000 times on Netflix or Amazon Prime, we should be able to get some kind of residuals the same way that if it was played 9,000 times on television, you would, right? Yeah. You kind of, or no, you're not sympathetic to that. Uh, to a point, to a point. You know, you're a writer for a television show. Okay, it's a hit, and now they're playing it a lot. Okay, maybe you should negotiate better than that when you write something. Well, well that's what the union's there to do, though. Yeah, but not tell everybody that you have to walk out and yeah, all the I actors and, and the electricians. You know, that are out of work. I'm an old electrician, so. Well, that's one of the things. Uh, you know, I, I support the writers because I don't think they should have been, you know, uh, they, they should have certain protections, especially with things like AI. But when these uh, talk show hosts like uh, Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher and others were talking about bringing their shows back without writers, I said that's great because there's a lot of other people that are dependent upon these shows being in production. And I didn't view it as crossing a picket line. It's not like you're hiring scab writers. Yet the outcry from the, the folks that were sympathetic to the writers or and the writers union themselves, it was deafening. People were furious. How dare you go back to work unless we are also going back to work? I believe that unions should get uh, people basic human rights, you know. I'm a trade unionist, so I, I, you know, I got a trade. I went to apprenticeship for five years and stuff like that. I don't think like the person sweeping Citibank, who sweeps the floors, should get eighty thousand a year and a pension and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, you know, that's not what unions are for. And I don't believe that multimillionaires should have a, a, a union like like the NFL and the baseball people. You, you make twenty five million dollars a year. You're going to strike. What 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 the, the sunflower seeds were too salty. <laughs> what 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 exactly is giving you this hardship as a as a millionaire? Uh, that's it's fair. It's difficult. They don't they're not an incredibly sympathetic lot when no. the baseball players go on strike. Uh, that is uh, that's for sure. Hey, you know what I wanted to ask you? One of the things that we've seen is uh President Biden's dogs have been on a biting spree. And now uh President Biden's dog Commander has now apparently bitten at least it, it, it could be many more than this at least his 11th person and um, this two-year-old German shepherd has now been removed from the White House. This guy, this dog was brought to the White House as a puppy in 2021. And apparently he's biting everybody, including one secret service agent had to be hospitalized. They were pretty badly bitten. I mean, who knows how many other folks that we don't hear about that are bitten. 
Do we need dogs in the White House? Well, that's, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because the the White House put out a statement and said this is what they said uh, last week. The this was uh, uh, one one of the, uh, some spokesperson for the White House. They said the White House can be a stressful environment for family pets, <laughs> um, adding that the Bidens were working on ways to help Commander handle the often unpredictable nature of the White House grounds. Now. That was my thinking exactly. Yeah, it is a stressful place. You got the nuclear football. You have uh, a thousand Secret Service agents. You got uh, you know Chuck Schumer walking in there who, that, who wouldn't want to bite. Yeah. And yet, um, why keep having pets around there? I don't get it. I don't get. Why do we need it? Right? We, you, if the Secret Service can't protect the White House. A dog is not going to help. Well, or- it's not for protection. It's for uh, companionship. It's for fun. Oh, it's for fun. It's for fun. <laughs> but um, the vicious <laughs> dogs rolling the White House—that is fun. See? <laughs> See, now if they were like roaming the halls while there were tourists, maybe that would be a lot more fun. Uh, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. There was one incident. Uh, apparently, uh, even uh, Jill Biden was trying to restrain uh, one of these dogs because the other dog major that they had they all these dogs get military yeah i mean if there's a yeah. dog named general somewhere he's probably <laughs> gnawing on a congressman right now <laughs> but um all these dogs get military uh, t- titles but um uh, you know th- uh, trump was the exception he didn't have any pets and everyone treated him as if he was the weirdo because he was the one president i think since I don't know, Taft or something that didn't have any presidents in the White House. But it's certain, starting to look like maybe that was a smart decision. Of course it is. Of course, dogs don't belong there. It's like it's like tomorrow you come in with a dog. Like, hey, here's my pit bull that uh, it's going to be. And it's WABC. Three pe- Cousin Brucey was mauled by a pit bull. <laughs> Joe, Joe Piscopo used to bring in his dog uh, once in a while, Otis. He got, he got special permission. But okay. this was a very well-behaved dog, I must say. And very communicative. Unfortunately, he passed away. I think it was something he caught at a uh, radio station or something. I don't know, but um, but uh, yeah. Other than that, I'm not used to seeing a lot of dogs at uh, at the radio station. Hey, I do want to ask you. Speaking of President Biden, he's made news this week because you know, obviously, he was very vocal during the campaign that not one more inch of wall would be built. And even just yesterday, he came out and said he doesn't believe that. The wall is effective at curtailing immigration. So he and his Homeland Security secretary are getting a waiver on 26 or 27 federal laws so they can build not a wall, but a border barrier, a border barrier. Wow. This is pretty innovative. I mean, the next thing you know, President Biden's going to say Mexico is going to be paying for this border barrier. What is your reaction to this very innovative Biden solution of a border barrier? I think he doesn't remember what he said yesterday. So I think when he said I'll on his campaign, I will never put one inch of wall up. He forgot. You know, he forgets a lot of things. And and to go back on it and to embrace what Trump was doing is I've never seen that before in my whole life. It's just like it's see if there was a woman president, 
That would never happen because, like, my wife would never go back. If it was wrong, right, it doesn't matter. This is what it is, and I don't care. But I can't believe that he's doing it. But I, like I said, he might not remember. He doesn't yeah. remember. Uh, you know, it is. It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes because, you know, you'd ask people. You know, you heard when Trump was president a lot that he was a fascist, he was a Nazi, he was this. And you'd ask, well, well, look, I mean, look at all the wars every other president has started. And so far, Trump hadn't really started any. And why is he a fascist? Why is he a Nazi? And inevitably, they'd point to he, the immigration policies. And now it appears that, right. you know, maybe he was onto something. Yeah, they, they, they sugarcoat the border now. Before they were crying at the fences and, and, and oh, my God. Now it's like... Border, what'd you say? Barry Border? They're gonna have like a mascot soon. Like, it's Barry Border time. But you know, the, the people I really feel bad for are these kids in cages because, um, at, until January of 2021, everybody cared about these kids in cages. Yes. Now, the kids are still in cages, but now nobody talks about them anymore. Nobody's upset about these kids in cages, are they? Well, uh, I'm all for kids in cages, to be honest with you, especially my own kids. You know, they run around the house and stuff. Grandkids, you need a cage. No doubt about it. Uh, what are you uh, doing Monday for Indigenous Peoples Day? Uh, I am going to eat corn. There a you lot go. Of corn. Very nice. Yes. Very maize. nice. Maize. We used to call it maize. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> corn dogs, you know. Um, you have a problem with them trying to rename uh, Columbus Day? We got one day. Yeah. We got one day. Columbus Day for Italian Americans. Can't they leave it alone? Mm. We'll give them all the other days. We'll give them the, well, I, listen, I go to their casinos. I drop a lot of money. I don't complain. That's very big of you. That's, very that's big of very you. nice. I don't complain. I don't badmouth them. Just give me Columbus Day. Fred Rubino is here. If you have a comment or a question, you can do you can call in at 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Don in Floral Park. What's on your mind, Don? I, I'm a friend of Commander. I go to AA meetings with Commander. Oh, my. Mm. Yes, we, we eat two dog bones every two minutes. He's uh, He's got a real problem. <laughs> but, I mean, should you really be outing him? Isn't this supposed to be anonymous? I know it is, but uh, I'm trying to help him uh, deal with this. There he should really be a program for people who rat out people who are on the program. They see, he needs I to be know. having two programs. Yes, I do know that. I feel very bad about that. Hey, Frank, I wrote this. I wrote this song, Coney Island, and uh, all those songs they play, you played in my, you played for me. Yes, yes, I remember. Very, very talented songwriter. Yeah. All right. I'm just a little, you know, whacked out. Now. I'm just saying hello to you. I haven't talked to you in a while, so I thought Commander was like, you know, one of my soulmates. You know, I figured I'd uh, just tell you I sponsor him. That's very, that's very thoughtful, uh, Don. Um, well, you know, when, get, get, keep in touch, and when you've come out with a new song that we should we should play, yeah, drop us a line. Okay? Coney Island Whitefish, oh, the, I, the I sequel. Shall. I, I shall, Frank. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Noam Leiden is here. He has some news uh, that you can use. We're going to get Fred Rubino to comment on it, and uh, we'll continue. See what else is on Fred's mind. We got fifteen seconds of fame coming up a little bit later, and more. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. 
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Skinnerd Freebird. This is a birthday bumper music selection from Zena Hassel, who is celebrating her birthday today, is listening in Cambodia at the moment. And I'm not joking, really in uh, Cambodia. Happy birthday to you, Zena. Where the, I don't know what time it is there. I think that we're the afternoon drive time show there. Um, Fred Rubino is in studio, and we are very pleased to welcome our news director and uh, Contributor to this program on a daily basis, Noam Layden. Good morning there, Noam. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Fred. Happy Good Friday. Uh, right back at you guys. What's, uh, what's in the news that we need to be aware of? So interesting study that has come out. We always think of ourselves as kind of a religious nation or a belief in something, right? Whether it be you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, whatever it may be. One nation under God. Exactly. But the truth actually may be a whole lot different. For years, we've tried to study people who are either atheists or agnostic. But the truth of the matter is, there's this growing group of Americans that call themselves nuns. They're not anything. Not nuns uh, like, you know, like right. priests and nuns. Yes. And this group is growing at a number that is really in some ways hard to detect, but they've done some recent studies, and the thought is that at least 30%, and probably the number's a whole lot higher, consider themselves nothing. And so it's not a matter that I don't believe in God or that I don't go to church or I don't go to synagogue. I do nothing at all. I do not think much of organized religion. Uh, I'm not interested in organized religion. So it's not a matter that whether I believe in God or, or not, it just I have nothing to do with it whatsoever. And the thought is this group is growing much faster because it's hard to detect because for so many years we categorize them as agnostic right. and atheist. And so the number AP, Associated Press, did this study very recently. The number they have is 30% of Americans consider themselves nuns, which is really high. Well, if you wanted to get that number back down to earth, you would just have to make the nuns go somewhere on a regular basis. Where right. you, you don't even have to call a church, but if they right. had to go go check in somewhere once a month, go to the a, a town hall, uh, right. a meeting of the nuns, forget about it. You would see the most religious revival. 
survival <laughs> in this country. True. It is true, but it is interesting. I'm sure you have these people. I would say the majority of my friends fall into that category. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's a plurality for me. Absolutely. So yeah. the people who are against religion. Well, they're not against religion. They just have. They just don't think much about it. No part of they're religion. They're just lazy. Yeah. These are people that are just lazy. Right. They don't, we want no part of religion, and we will form. But the, they don't want to be atheists right. either. Right. That's right. too clicky for and them. And to prove it, we're going to be the fastest growing religion in the <laughs> country. Right. God, bless <laughs> God bless them indeed. It would be great if they had to show up there once yeah. a month oh, somewhere. You yeah. would see the, uh, massive conversions to every religion. A in collection the world. plate. Exactly. <laughs> oh, right. Maybe yeah. that's what's chasing them away, that, that little collection plate. Break it yeah. up. <laughs> I've been talking to these Israeli scientists at Tel Aviv University for about a year now about this study that's been done about vegetables. And there are people who are vegetarians, and that's a large growing group mm -hmm. too, maybe as big as the nuns, who uh, don't eat meat because their love of animals, right? They, they say, hey, I have a dog or cat at home. I've been around cows. They have personalities. I don't want to eat them. All right, fine. So I'm going to eat vegetables. But now this group of Israeli scientists, who, by the way, listen to the show. Oh, really? In fact, Great. might even be Wonderful. listening right Wonderful. now, which is kind of cool, uh, have studied whether vegetables have feelings. Mm. And uh, so here's one of the uh, chief scientists who's been working on this program. Tomato plant Speaking of vegetables. Is feeling well, it emits very few sounds. But when it is stressed, when it is dehydrated or cut or sick, it emits plenty of sounds. So she's talking about a tomato plant. It got cut off there. She's saying tomato plants do have some sort of feeling. And so they use this microphone uh, that is the, maybe the most powerful microphone you could have to hear what it sounds like before you cut a tomato off of a tomato plant and afterwards. And they found that the plant became enormously stressed and made a different sound after you cut the tomato off. And here they were able to uh, track this. And here's what it sounded like. That's a happy tomato plant? Unhappy. Unhappy. Yeah. It does it, sound unhappy. It does really unhappy. And um so they did this with other vegetables as well. They went to grapevines. Same thing. They taped them beforehand. There wasn't much noise at all. They didn't pick up anything, hardly anything. But when they started to pull the grapes off the grapevine, this is what it sounded like. Similar to the tomato. Yeah. That's crazy. You can hear them. They pull yeah. up each grape. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I had popcorn that made the same sound. <laughs> they, exactly. they would freak out yes. when you heated them. They do. They get really mad. Yeah. So these uh, these plants have uh, feelings, it would appear, or emotions. It seems they do in the fact that they're so quiet before you pull that tomato or grape off the plant. And those are the two plants that they did the deep studies on. And then when they put the same microphone that could pick up uh, sounds in a way that may, I guess these microphones would not, you heard that stressed plant uh, upset, or at least it sounds like it's so upset about being So are we supposed to stop egged. eating vegetables well, now, too? I asked her that question, and she said no. But, you know, it's just a study they're doing to see what kind of feelings these plants have, and her uh, ultimate... Uh, end goal in this study was that, yeah, probably they do have some sort of feeling. So then I said, is the next step to communicate with these plants? 
and find out what's going on. And she said, interestingly enough, yes, it is. And so we'll follow this study at Tel Aviv University and see where it goes. You know, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but Great book. Uh, it, it is. So yeah. um, there's a, have you read it, Fred? I have not. It is the funniest book I've ever read. And the, the first sequel is very good. But there there's, there's this restaurant in the future, and um, they came up with this concept thousands of years from now that you should eat animals that actually want to be eaten right and so they bring a living pig let's say to the to the table and the pig tries to sell you on why you should eat him and he's pointing out the parts of his rump that are particularly you know you know delicious and one of the guys says no this is too much i'm just gonna have a salad and the pig makes him feel so guilty for eating this poor defenseless (laughs) salad with these vegetables who had no choice but to be plucked but apparently this is there's something to there's that, something to that. <laughs> yeah. Douglas Adams was a, a prophet yeah exactly it's out of control do I have to get personally involved with my meal now you know <laughs> like when you go to a restaurant you get the chicken palm and they're like this chicken was free range <laughs> right. it was do I care about the personal <laughs> life of my chicken palm I don't care as long as it's delicious I don't care if it was in a gang my chicken <laughs> right. all right I don't care <laughs> I don't. I want the chicken that had nothing to live for. <laughs> right. Speak for yourself. I want very well behaved fish. When I get some halibut, I want to know that halibut was a model fish citizen. <laughs> right. it, it graduated top of his class in its school. <laughs> uh, anything else? No. I should be aware one, of sure. one uh, dopey one. Oh right. Uh, you know, people. It's a nice refreshing change. He looked yeah. right at Unlike me. the other dopey stuff. He looked stuff. right at me <laughs> yeah, when did, he said, yeah, "This is a dopey one." Right. You know, everybody always tries to sneak stuff in over the border that they don't want to pay taxes on, right? And they f- go flying overseas. I can remember my wife being caught not knowing she had bought jewelry, and then they caught her, and we had to declare <laughs> that the jewelry. You can imagine that. Led I had to an no interesting idea conversation. that your wife was such a, yes, a, sc- a, a, a criminal, yes, international she criminal. Apparently. Yeah. So she didn't do this, though. A woman in uh, who went on a safari to Kenya, she flies back into the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport. This was last week. And she actually declares that she has something interesting in a box. And what is it? It is uh, the poop of giraffes. And she had collected it while on the safari in Kenya. And why is she bringing it back? Because she thinks it would make fascinating and interesting jewelry. And so the, the amazing thing is she declared this thing. And, of course, you can imagine when they get this declaration, they're like, what is going on here? They check it out, and uh, they make her throw it out. They're, they don't allow her to bring it into the country because they don't know where this poo has come from. And so she will not be able to make her giraffe poo lo- uh, jewelry, which she oh, was hoping awful. to do. It is. I mean, think about what we're missing out on here. Yeah. Why would it be so different? Because it falls from a higher part? Yeah. You know? It's <laughs> yeah. like – that's the highest drop of any poop. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how. Uh, it might be, yeah. Did we get the Israeli scientists on this <laughs> yes, instead of yeah. cutting tomatoes? Right. My goodness. All right. Thank you for your service, Noam. Sure. Appreciate it. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Uh, 800-848-9222. Fred Rubino is here. Joe is in the Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah, two quick questions for Freddie. What was your reaction to The Godfather your first time you saw it? And then do you think, uh, you like, you go to these karaoke bars and some of these women really sing a good tune. Could they potentially do karaoke comedy and someone would actually be able to do that? 
Uh, I'm not for anybody else getting into comedy. Okay, mm, that's, that's the way I feel about radio. <laughs> that's it. I want everybody out, and I don't want. But the Godfather, the first time I saw it, uh, I am indigenous to the Bensonhurst Brooklyn uh, section of uh, New York, so. I grew up around a lot of these uh, wise guys and these mobsters, and there was nothing glamorous about it. Like the Godfather showed, oh, how glamorous these people are, and they, they have this code of ethics. They were the wildest bunch of animals that were in the neighborhood. They were nothing to, uh, to uh, look at and say, these are great people, idolize so uh, it was just a stark contrast, but people who don't know these kind of people glamorize it. But really, it's the most unglamorous thing you could see. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Steve is in Manhattan. What's on your mind, Steve? All right, gentlemen. There. First of all, audience, give Freddie a big round of applause here. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Your 20 is in the mail. <laughs> I always wondered if you guys, this is just, a, I got meat and potatoes to come follow this, but I always wonder, do you guys get nervous when you walk on the stage? When you, I know you're not a duo or anything, but do you get nervous? When I walk on the stage, no. Well, I, what about if you no, have to perform? Well, you yes. Got, then, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't. Uh, I know what I'm going to say. I know that I do a good job. I'm very confident in what I do. I'm just uh, always worried that the people are not going to have a good time. They paid a lot of money. I want them to have a good time. Good, because you got ice water in your veins then. And this thing, I mean, this news segment should be like, you know, the weekend update or something with some of the stories, the tomatoes and grapes. It sounds like they're going after Columbus there with the grapes and the wine, the tomato sauce. But I just want to say something, like seriously now. Monday, we are celebrating the discovery of the Western Hemisphere and also the precursor to Western civilization, folks. Let's not get caught up in all this stuff. I mean, you know what the hard left is doing? They, they've, they didn't capture it. They've been given everything. They want to put a wrecking ball through Western civilization. Why they want to knock down statues, statues is because they're running up the score now. That's what it is. They have nothing else left to go after besides destroying the whole country, what they'll get next. Well, thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. Anything you want to add to that, Fred? Well, everybody is storming across our border because it's the greatest country in the world. So we should be celebrating that Monday, that Columbus started something that is sought after by uh, probably every country around the world to come to and to uh, love. So I think we should celebrate Columbus. Everybody has their faults. Well, you know, one of the other things Except with you, Frank, that's thank you. I was waiting for that. I left uh, left you a little <laughs> room to add that. But, um, you know, one of the things that I think is a shame with the attempts to take down the uh, Christopher Columbus statue in Columbus Circle is that statue when it was put up in 1892 for the 400th anniversary of Columbus's first voyage. It was built with the the pennies, the nickels and dimes of immigrants to this country, uh, Italian immigrants through several newspaper campaigns. They contributed their pennies to building that statue. And I really view that statue as a tribute to how great American immigration can be. I agree 100 uh, percent. I'm not for taking any of the statues down. I no, don't care. me neither. Uh, if they offend you in any way, then you have mental problems that a statue is. I mean, it's not a statue of somebody that's, you know, 
really offensive and stuff. It's part of history. It's part of your country's history. You know, recently, uh, I think they have taken it down, but up until recently, there was a uh, uh, either, I think it was a Karl Marx statue in New York City. And, you know, I didn't have a problem with that being up either. So uh, yeah, I say, neither. you know, the more, the more, the, the, the merrier. I mean, it's almost to me Stalinist to kind of take down uh, all these statues uh, once they come out of, out of vogue or, or things of that nature. But we'll get into that uh, on Monday when there's a, a broader discussion about that. So we'll see that. Hey, are you performing anywhere that people could see you? I'll just go to fredrubino.com and see where I'm playing. I'll be in Florida for the next few months, and I will be uh, performing all over Florida. But I think I'll be back up in December. So uh, look for me, I think, on Long Island in December and January. By the way, that was I misspoke. It was a Lenin statue that was Lenin. on the Lower East Side, not a Marx statue. And it was up until uh, a few years ago, but uh, I didn't have a problem with that either. I think the more the merrier in terms of statues. Um Fred, are you one of these New Yorkers that really loves Florida, or are you kind of a reluctant Floridian? Uh, I I uh, am a I love Florida. I, it's just that if they had food, I would like it a lot better. So I, I have heard that the Horrible. the the food in Florida has improved over the years. Is that not accurate? That is not accurate. Okay, so the. Uh, the pizza is horrible. The bagels are horrible. The bread is horrible. I, I, I There's a place called Publix. It's the big grocery right, store. Right. I've heard of that. And I went in. I was like, you know, how come the bread sucks so mad? <laughs> and they're like, what you have to do is you have to wrap it in foil and, and put it in an oven and re-crisp it. I, I got to make the bread now. <laughs> I, I, I have no time. Uh, Fred Rubino, uh, thank you for coming in. I hope you had fun. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, 15 seconds of fame. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is the late, great Andy B., uh, who unfortunately no longer with us. But uh, this song, very much his legacy to our audience. Now is your opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. If you have a comment on anything at all, doesn't have to be relevant to anything that we've talked about thus far. It's your opportunity to be a part of... Other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Chris. Chris. Roy. Frank, I'm so upset. I studied so hard for three weeks for my urine test and I flunked it. 
Raji. On Gats and Coffee, she never stopped chuckling, guffawing and interrupting the guest until he finally exclaimed, Rita, if you allow me, I'll explain. Mike. Morning, Frank. Uh, Patrick McHenry, Speaker Pro Temp, doing a little house cleaning. Isn't he the give me McLiberty or give me McDeath guy? <laughs> e. Frank. Yes, hi again, Frank. Uh, I want to wish everyone a happy Indigenous Day uh, on Monday, a.k.a. known as Columbus Day. And one more thing. Why does Eric Adams uh, admit that he is politically not inclined to run the city? Neil. Roses are reddish, violets are bluish. I'll say it again, Frank. Columbus was Jewish. Larry. As if the sight of that Amazon Letitia James wasn't James isn't freaky enough, the 74-year-old judge in Trump's trial appears to be wearing lipstick on the Facebook page. David. I would care more about these allegedly distressed vegetables if their tap dancing didn't sound like it was coming from a senior citizen's home. Thank <laughs> Roger. Yeah, I remember watching uh, the Mr. Ed show. What I remember from it is um, the sponsor was Studebaker, especially the Studebaker Lark. I think Wilbur did some of the ads also. Jay. Souvenir hunting. Used to love it. I hunted fossils. Now I am a fossil. Bobby. Three men responsible for Western civilization. Christopher Columbus, Charles Martel, and George Washington. And Martel put a beating on him. Listen, folks. You know what you got to do. It's Friday. Go be- Mike. Shipping's a jerk off. John. Rich. Uh, why are there so many pine cones on the pine trees this year, Frank? Russell. Go Orioles, my boys. Yeah, hell yeah. Roller. Oh, excuse me, Bob. Hi, Frank. Lenny is such a still day when you go down 2nd Avenue and stop by Houston Street. Look to the left on the rooftop. And finally, Roller. Get an education about Fraud Street. Seek out Ham the Short Killer on Twitter. Finger motion. The next game stock to explode. Ham the Short Killer on Twitter. Get rich. Any questions? I think that about slams the lid on things for today. I will be back on Monday, God willing. Uh, We're going to do something really fun, something interesting, something creative with respect to Columbus Day. It's going to be something that you have not heard on any other radio show or TV show ever. I just haven't figured out what it's going to be yet. But trust me, it's going to be something. Hopefully you'll have a great weekend and... uh, I'll see you, God willing, on Monday. Frank Moreno, good day.